0: We are in week two of our sermon series entitled, I'm Saved, Now What? Um, In this series, we are basically answering the question I'm saved, now what? Um, For most of us, we don't really get an opportunity to tap into what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a child of God. Um, And so the idea was to break this up into two parts. The first part is to talk about who we are. And then the second part is to talk about what we do. And so in the first volume of I'm saved, now what? We're going to be talking about who we are as the people of God. And in volume two, we'll get into what we do as the people of God, as it pertains to the spiritual disciplines. Um, But so again, that's the track. Those are the two tracks that God has us on. Um, as he is showing us and telling us, now that we are a part of the kingdom, what is it that we're supposed to be doing? So our first part is talking about our identity. And today we're going to be talking about being a disciple. I am a disciple. We're going to be coming out of Luke chapter 14 and 2 Timothy um, chapter 2. We're also going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In um, Matthew chapter 16, as um, as, uh, as references on today, um, I want to start in. You know what? What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read all four scriptures, and then I'm gonna then allow God to really just piece this thing together, um, the way that he um, the way that he intends us to hear it today. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 24, says, "Then his disciples." Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 25 says, now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Um, the charger is in the room. Hmm. Okay. Um, In the room, Nicole, in the room. In the room. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, um, sorry to get verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. And then in Second Timothy, chapter two, verse fourteen, remind them of these things and charge them before and charge them before God other side, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself, (coughs) excuse me, to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. (coughs) To be a disciple of God means to be a student, a lifelong student of the word of God a lifelong student of Christ. When Christ entered upon in in Jerusalem and was doing his ministry, he called people to him. And as he called people to him, they became disciples of him. What it meant to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in the rabbinical priesthood back in those days was you you lived your life to emulate the person that you were following. You didn't just sit up under him and listen to his teachings, but you became like him. Becoming a rabbi in those days meant that you lived, you breathed, you sat with, you ate with, you walked with, you talked with, you went to church with, you went to you know, the supermarket with, you sat in his house like you were living and breathing the air of your of your of your teacher. And you are doing so not so that you can just learn from him, but you are trying to become like him. Jesus in the same way says that unless you take up your cross and follow him daily, you cannot be his disciple. When Christ died and rose again and credited us with his righteousness, he put us on a lifelong mission to become like him. As Paul has said in his, in, in, in his letters, he, we have being molded and shaped into the image of the Son from one degree of glory to the next. And as such, every day we are becoming more and more like Jesus in everything that we say and in everything that we do from one degree of glory to the next <sighs> when i um when i do when i been when i went to therapy school i went to therapy school to become disciplined as a therapist what no i, get, I got it, i got it i be i went to school to become a therapist and i spent 2 years learning about therapy now we have this thing called continuing education credits, right? So even after we finish therapy school, even if I, even after I finish therapy school, I still have to go and learn stuff. Now, more often than not, I'm learning the stuff that I already know. Same thing about ethics, same thing about doing this type of therapy, that type of therapy, but I got to stay educated because if I don't stay educated, then not only will I not figure out what's new in the, um, in the field, but i also will start to lose sight of what I do as a therapist. When I was in the, when I was working in the prison for seven years, the type of therapy that we do there is very different from the therapy that we do in the real world. And as such, a lot of the skills that I used I forgot what they were. I knew what I was doing. But I couldn't tell you what it was called. I just knew I was doing therapy. When I left that job and went to the job that I'm currently working now, I had to start writing notes again, regular notes. And in those notes, I had to tell the note the, the people I had to tell the insurance companies what type of therapy I'm doing, what type of intervention am I using? What am I actually doing? And for the first three weeks of doing therapy, I couldn't tell them. I knew I was doing therapy and I was using the skills but if you asked me what I was doing in that room I couldn't tell you what I was doing in the room because I forgot what they were I forgot what the skills were and so even though I'm a bomb therapist according to the insurance companies I don't know squat because I couldn't tell them what I was doing so what I had to do was I had to go back to school. I had to go back and start digging through all of these books, all of these texts, and figure out what am I actually doing in the therapy room? And all of these books have all these different styles, different techniques, different methods of how to do the stuff that I'm doing in the therapy room. Now, again, for most folk, they're like, I don't understand why you need all those books, but I need these to know what I'm doing and I gotta read them regularly to remember what I'm doing. Many of us in the field, we have a lo- in, in our different disciplines, we have all these different texts and all these different books and all these different techniques and all these different practices on how to do what we do. But if you ask somebody about their faith, They barely know the 66. They barely know who Jesus is. They barely know what Jesus has done. And they barely know anything that we are empowered to do as children of God. We can know how we do our jobs very well. But how to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian, we know jack squat. We don't, know, we don't know a thing about what it means to be a Christian. We don't take the time to get to know our word. We don't take the time to get to know Jesus. We don't take the time to get to know our faith. We don't, get, we don't take the time to get to know our creator God. And as such, we don't know what it means to actually be Christ's disciple. We know how to be disciples of our disciplines. We know how to be disciples of TikTok. We know how to be disciples of the entertainment world. We know how we're we're good disciples of, you know, of, of the latest gossip in the world. Like we know more about Kim Kardashian and what she's keeping up with than we know about Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. We know more about Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and Kalani and all of their, um, all of the lyrics to every song that they sing. We know everything about Beyonce and where she's going on tour and how much her tours are going to cost and how much her outfits cost and how much she's amassed in wealth. We know more about Taylor Swift and her current relationship with a football player more than we do about the, the, the king of the universe. We know we, we discipline and disciple ourselves Knowing everything else there is to know in the world, but when it comes to knowing Jesus, we relegate that to the pastors and the preachers who are teaching us. And we and we expect them to just give us the knowledge when Christ says, I've given you a Holy Spirit who wants to give you all knowledge and all truth. And so for most of us, we don't know anything about our faith, except Jesus saves which is enough to get us into heaven, sure. But Christ longs to have a deeper relationship with us that goes beyond just getting into the kingdom. For salvation is free to all. And we're, we're, we're able to get into the kingdom by, by, again, confession of our mouth and believing in our heart that Jesus is, is Jesus Lord. But a lot of us, that's where our faith begins and ends. I just, just getting into the kingdom and being forgiven of sins. Our, the depth of our relationship with him stops at salvation. And Christ is saying, just like we have a deep relationship with our jobs, we have a deep relationship with Beyonce and Nicki Minaj and Cardi B and, and, and Triple Extension and Lil Nas X and, and 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 all of our greatest football players. Like it's a it's a wonder we have people who know more about the stats of football players and basketball players than they knew than the stats that they that then knowing about the stats of our Lord and Savior. But if if we're going to say that we are going to be disciples of Christ, that we're children of Christ, then we have to be just as disciplined as we are in our professions and just as disciplined as we are in the daily affairs of our lives, more, just as disciplined in you know, what's happening in the political space as we are disciplined about Jesus Christ. It is not to say that we are to forsake what we know about the stuff in this world, but we are to be in it and not of it. That we should, be ju- we should be informed about what's going on in the world, sure. But we should not be more informed about what's going on in the world than we are about Christ. For through Christ, we know how to walk in this world. And how to live in this world. And how to operate in this world. We'll push these back over here. Okay hope that don't fall. this back over here And so what Christ tells us today is that if we are to be a disciple of him, we have to be willing to put him at the uppermost of our affections. When Christ transforms our heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, he replaces the heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh. he gives us a heart, that desires to be closer to him, desires to want to be more like him. Some of us think that, you know, I can have Christ and the other stuff in terms of our affections, but look again at what Christ tells us in the word today. He tells us in Luke, I'm going to go to Luke, not Matthew, go in Luke chapter 14. Great crowds accompanied him and he turned to them and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, this does not mean that I go around hating people because I love Jesus. So I'm going to hate y'all. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, if I have to choose between Christ and my wife, I'm choosing Jesus. If I have to choose between Christ and my children, I'm choosing Jesus. If I have to choose between Christ and my job, I'm choosing Jesus. If I have to choose between Christ and a golden opportunity that will cost me my integrity, I'm choosing Jesus. Jesus becomes the most important thing in my life. Again, it doesn't mean that we become monks and we just study the Bible and we never live life. But it says that when, 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 if situations and circumstances occur where you got to make a choice between Jesus and something else, our heart's posture should be, I'm choosing Jesus. I'm choosing him because that's what it costs to be a disciple of him. That I'm going to dedicate and devote my time, energy, and effort into being and becoming more like Jesus, more like Christ, more like him. That my, my, my deepest desire is to know Jesus and to be more like Jesus. And I'm going to do whatever I need to do to be more like him, even if it means I have to give some stuff up along the way. Again, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus tells us and reminds us that this is a soul matter. When we, when, when, when we become Christians, our lives are no longer about the material. As it says, and you know what, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna go to it, I'm gonna just go to it. I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let Paul speak for himself. 2 Corinthians chapter five, one of my favorite, favorite chapters in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 16. From now on, therefore, we re- we regard no one according to the flesh. When we become saved, we no longer look at this world through the material. Everything is about soul. Everything is about spirit. Everything is now about spiritual matters. Someone once said, "If you be if you too spiritual, you're no earthly good." We can't be spiritual enough. We can't be spiritual enough because in this life. We're no longer concerned about the spiritual, I mean, the physical uh, material world. Everything is about the spirit. And so Christ is telling us, you know, what does it profit a man to be so wise of this world and know nothing about his soul? What does it profit a man to, 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 to pursue all these earthly pursuits and not have any pursuit when it comes to the soul? What does it profit a man to amass all this wealth and all this power and all this prestige and all this glory, but at the end of the day, his soul is a mess. His soul is completely wrecked. For many of us, when we think about being a disciple of Christ, we relegate it to just being members of a church, doing things in the church, that being a disciple of Christ is being a servant of the 501c3 organization that we have become members of. But Christ is telling us, no, when you become a Christian, your entire life, your entire being is now about him and your life's pursuit is no longer about trying to chase after things in this world, but instead it's about enriching our souls in, prepare, in preparation for the life to come. And so Christ tells us, what does it profit a man to gain this whole world? And his soul be lost into the lake of fire and lost into hell and, and lost into the place of no return. What is the point? If you get everything you want in this world, but your soul is still lost, what is the point? And so if we're going to be a Christian, if we are saved, God is telling us your life is no longer your own. Your life is now Christ's life. You die to yourself. It's no longer you who live, but it's the Christ that lives in you. And as such, in order for us to know how to be more like Christ, we have to know Christ. And Christ has given us a Holy Spirit who walks us lovingly through these scriptures to learn more about who he is one day, one moment at a time. As it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 14 first starting at first, uh, starting at verse 15 do your best to present yourself to god as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth it, what is and what is that you know in the king james study to show thyself approved it doesn't mean that we you know we're studying so that we can prove other people wrong or that we study so that we can prove that we're worthy of being in the kingdom. You know, God, I know enough in my Bible. Can I be in the kingdom now? That's not what that's saying. What it is saying, though, is that we should do our best to know who Jesus is. Do our best to know who Jesus is. So that when we're walking in this world, people can know who we are in him, and we won't fall for the traps of the plausible arguments that have come to snatch our faith away from us. Many times you will have people who, like on my morning show um, last week, someone got on there and said, I can disprove the Abrahamic God in three minutes. Now, me, if I didn't know who Jesus was, could could have got caught up in that situation, caught up in that conversation with him saying, okay, well, prove it then. And he could have come with a plausible argument that would be like, huh, that makes sense. But knowing Jesus, the very next line of um of 2 Timothy chapter 2, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. That's what Paul said. That's what Paul said. I'm laughing too. And that's what if we know who Jesus is and we know the scriptures, he tells us avoid that stuff. Don't get caught up in arguments with people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, nor get in an argument with people who do have one. But they're just but they're arguing for the sake of argument's sake. Why? Because at the end of the day, what is that doing? How is the conversation? How is the conversation that we're having edifying the soul? The soul is what matters, not proving who's, who knows, but who knows more. The end, the end game is knowing Jesus and being, becoming, and being and becoming more like Jesus, being refined in the refiner's fire to be and look more like Christ. And so in studying the word and being diligent in the word and knowing who Christ is, it allows us to be more and more like him. Walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, feeling like Jesus, all these things the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do, but in order to do that, we have to study diligently, and it's not to say that, you know, that we only have to study the Bible, there are many great texts that are out there um, that, that have been written by really great people, both our ancestors to today. Going all the way back to Augustine and those boys, all the way to Matt Chandler in in today's time. There have been great texts that have been written to help us to understand this stuff. And it all points back to the scriptures, which point back to Jesus. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and with this, we're going to park it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Now, in that he was talking about being idolatrous, and <laughs> in, in that, you know, making sure that he's keeping himself under control. But the but the metaphor is but the metaphor is sound. Just as athletes exercise their bodies in order to receive a prize, we too exercise our faith. But we but the difference is we exercise our faith knowing we've won the prize. We already have the prize. Jesus, you know live, being a part of the kingdom, living for the next for the for the life of paradise in the life to come. we already have the prize. So we run with ex- with eager expectation. we exercise our faith. we exercise our will, we exercise our we exercise the fruit of the spirit. So that we can be more like Jesus. Being a disciple means giving up everything in this world for Christ. Living and following Christ. Being more like Christ. Walking like Christ. Figuring out who Christ is. What he's done. What he's accomplished. How he was empowered. And living our lives in such a way that patterns the life, death, resurrection, um, ascension, and future return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we are saved and transformed, we we are a part of the kingdom. We die to self and become more like Christ. We are now living in him, breathing in him, moving in him. And as a result, if we are to be a part of the kingdom, we've got to carry that cross. And we've got to carry it every single day. Just like we discipline ourselves to figure out what Beyonce is up to, we need to discipline ourselves to figure out what Christ is up to. Just like we discipline ourselves to figure out what the Democrats and the Republicans are arguing about today, we need to discipline ourselves on what Christ is trying to accomplish in the world today. Just like we discipline ourselves to make sure that we're up to up to par on our on, on, on our um, in our di- on our jobs, getting the CEUs, buying the books, going to the seminars, listening to people babble on about how great and awesome they are and the things they've done for the past 30 years. We need to be disciplining ourselves in the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for us. Just like, hey, just like we should know. Just like we should know what our our wives and our husbands like, what they don't like, what they want, what they don't want, you know, what they like on their dates, what they like in their free time, what they love to do, how we can woo their hearts, how we can win them over, how they like it this way, that way, and a third. We should know what Jesus likes what he doesn't like, what he wants, what he doesn't want, what makes him feel good, what hurts his heart, what grieves the spirit, what what delights the spirit. We need to know Jesus better than we know our spouses. We need to know Jesus better than we know ourselves. Uh-huh. And half the time, the people that I talk to in therapy, they talk about, I don't know who I am anymore. And I want to tell them, but Jesus does. I can't tell them that until they jump over that 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 hump. Once they jump over it, it's over with. So, point being, just like we know everything else in the world and pattern ourselves, because here's the thing: when we, when I know what my like, what my wife likes and what my wife doesn't like, I find myself buying things or doing things that she likes to get her to, to get her to be, you know, wooed and wild by me. And so, if I know there's a particular smell that she likes, when I go to look to find cologne, I'm looking for cologne smells that she likes. I don't just buy stuff that I like because I could like it. But if she hates it, I don't want to wear that. So I pattern myself after the things that she likes to woo her and to win her heart. So it makes no sense to, for me to do things that she doesn't like, because if I do things she doesn't like, she's not going to like me. She's not going to love me in the same way that we pattern ourselves to make ourselves you know, to, to, to be more like whoever it is that we're being around or wanting to emulate or want to woo over, we should be doing the same thing for Jesus. Just like on a job, if we want a promotion, we begin to pattern ourselves after what the boss is like. They like people who do this. They like people who do that. And so we start to find ourselves being molded and shaped and emulating the, the mentors and emulating the bosses and emulating the executives and all that. Just like we do that, Jesus is saying, be more like me. Far too often, we are, as Christians, patterning ourselves to look like the world, patterning ourselves to look more like the people on our jobs or our best friends or our spouses, and we're not patterning ourselves to look like, think like, feel like, be like Jesus. And so we have to put ourselves and we have to lay ourselves before the throne of grace and ask Jesus day by day, make me more like you. Just like we buy multiple books in order to make sure that we're up to date with our, with our professions, we need to make sure we're staying in the book and becoming more like Jesus and staying up to date with him the everlasting father, the everlasting peace. We need to be emulating ourselves after him. Again, it's not to say that we can't know what what Beyonce is up to, but we should know more about Beyonce than we do Jesus. Love the beehive, but the beehive should not be a replacement for the church. Love our professions. I'm great at the good at professional. Stay professional. Learn yourself, because I hate for a person who's in the op- on the operating table on me to be like, I ain't studied nothing in fifteen years. Mm. Mm, right. So know your professions, but don't know your professions more than you know Jesus. Love football. Love basketball. Love you know, but I should not know. Jalen Hurts' stats more than I know Jesus. I shouldn't know LeBron James's stats in career goal and career thing, career um goal, uh, career stats more though, more so than I know Jesus. Will I ever know everything there is to know about Jesus? No. But that, but so my daily pursuit to be should be: I want to know more about you, I want to be more like you, I want to do more like you. And thank God we have a Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to do those things, that it's not by our own sheer will and might, but that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to be and do everything that Christ says that we can be and do. And so I challenge us all today, on this day, that we become more like Jesus. We think like him, we walk like him, we talk like him, we move like him, we act like him so that we can say that we are the disciples of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to worship you on today. We're asking Lord God that you just continue to remind us that you have given us a Holy Spirit that empowers us to be the disciples of God that you have called us to be. Help us Lord God to spend more time with you, to dig more into your word, to learn more about you, to pattern ourselves to be more like you, Lord God, help us to not try to look like our favorite, you know, athletes, our favorite podcasters, our favorite artists, our, our favorite professional, um, you know, um, developers and professional people. Don't help us to help us, Lord God, to not you know be people pleasers or to try to make other people like us and by emulating who we are so that they can like us more. But help us, Lord God, to be more like you, to spend time with you, to get to know you, to develop our spirit man in such a way to where when we walk out into this world, people can see you through us. Help us to die to self, to take up our cross and follow you daily so that we can be more like you as you are molding and shaping us into the image of you from one degree of glory to the next. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for just being the light that shines in the darkness for us so that we can see how more clearly to be like you. And Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross and rising again and crediting your righteousness to us so that we can walk out being fully human through you. That we can be the disciple that you called us to be, that we are the disciples that you called us to be. than having to try to work to become it in an attempt to win salvation, salvation is freely given and you've given it to us by your death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and future return. And so we're thankful God that you have empowered us and enriched us on today. And we're asking that you just remind us daily to spend time with you, to get to know you so that we can be more like you every single day. We love you. We give your name, praise, glory, and honor in Jesus name. Amen.